Welcome to the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gil and Renee, where amazing things happen. Our goal is to help build, repair, and restore healthy relationships. Our primary focus is on the marriage relationship. However, the topics are applicable to the relationships that we value most. Remember, we're stronger together. Let's grow. What's up, Rich Relationships community? It is episode 22, and guess what? This re- this episode is going to be hot. Yeah, normally when we say hot, we're talking about honest, open, and transparent. But in this episode, we're talking about a different type of hot. We're going to have a professional on our show, and we're going to be talking about sex. So just full disclaimer, I want to tell you all that our, normally our show is G or PG. This show is going to be probably... If you have a child, this is not a show that you want a child to listen to. And just like there's parts of your marriage that are private between you and your spouse, this episode is between you and your spouse. This is not an episode for you to share with your children, so just want to let you guys know that we're going to be using some words and some terminology that might be a little bit racy for for children. You may not want them to repeat some of the stuff you hear, so that's a good point to make. And so it's just important that you understand that a part of us creating this community and this podcast is to help to equip you with the tools to build, repair, and restore healthy, rich relationships. And we believe that sex is a very healthy part of a rich relationship. So it might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It might make you feel challenged, but we can't grow when we're comfortable. And so we're going to have Dr. Rachel Ross. She might know her from the doctors. Yep. Gil, tell her a little bit about your experience with this interview. It was an interesting conversation. It was some things that make you snicker, make you blush a little bit. Yes. But it was great to, to talk and to hear a PhD in sexology, which is a high level of knowledge. And this is not just talking about it from a day-to-day type of experience. It was really more from a practical Yes. You know, experience. Some things to do, some questions that needed to be asked and answered. It was very informative, very entertaining, and very enjoyable. Dr. Ross is awesome. Yes. So you guys get ready for our special guest, Dr. Rachel Ross. Coming up next on this episode of the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gil and Renee. Without further ado, the woman of the hour, Dr. Rachel Ross. Thanks for coming and being on our show. Hi, thanks for having me. Again, appreciate you, Dr. Ross. Thanks, thanks for having me. I think at the end of the day, helping people connect sexually is just, you know, such an amazing thing uh, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the other stuff can be a little easier. But I think after life settles in and you've been with someone a while and you know what their breath smells like in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> you, you see know. them have a bowel motion. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And you say that now, breath in the morning, because we're doing that in the morning. So we actually and we are really close. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, I think the best thing is if you can actually, and actually studies show this, that if couples can actually take our flaws and actually find them to be cute, and as part of this, the charm of your couple, of your partner, that that actually has a better outcome. So, you know, some people can get to the point where your breath in the morning is just, oh, it's toxic. I can't stand it. And blah, blah, blah. So, you know, when that happens, we might have other problems. Uh-oh. But the, the point is, if you can find the good and the bad, then, you know, you're always going to be okay. Right. Absolutely. You know, one of the questions I want to ask you, Dr. Ross, is because I kind of briefly mentioned it before we were on air was that 
I know for me, I have growing up, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. And so they put a lot of unnecessary boundaries on me about sex. So Mm -hmm. I want you to kind of speak on how does the way you're raised growing up affect your ability to not be, to have sexual inhibition? Wow. You know, and I think, you know, particularly, I call it more sexuality. Like through the Dr. Rachel Institute, we train sexuality coaches and we call it sexuality instead of just sex because there's so many things that go into that, right? It's how you feel. It's how you were raised. It's your hangups. It's your, you know, it's, it's your stress level. It's your nutrition level. It's all those different things. And I think at the end of the day, how you were raised sexually, you know, like what, what things your mom told you about it, Mm -hmm. um, what things your church told you about it really an, an extremely large impact on how you experience your sex and sexuality throughout your life. And, you know, we see it on two different ends of the spectrum, right? We've seen the ones who are maybe the preacher's daughter who end up a little wilder than the rest. Right. And then we see the ones who grew up in a strict religious upbringing and then don't touch me sexually. So it really depends on how your personality manipulates the information in terms of how you end up seeing yourself in this huge universe in terms of your sexuality. Yeah. And, and I think it's good that you bring that up, you know, and then then add into the equation when you turn 50 and you've gone through menopause. I, I remember watching a show you were talking about how there's pills for men when they are having problems sexually, but there's really nothing for women because we are more than just physical, it's psychological. So what what would be something you could say to a woman who is maybe like, okay, myself, I'm 51 years old, I've gone through menopause, and I think in addition to my growing up being sexually inhibited and that attitude, what would be something you would recommend to kind of help or to add to, I should add sure. that to my life? That's a great question, and I think one thing we always want to do is when you, when you have sexual inhibitions, the best thing that you can really do is start to become a little more mindful when it comes to sex. And when I say mindful, what mindfulness really is, is being able to acknowledge, oh, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh my goodness, this is gross. <laughs> acknowledge those thoughts, but at the same time, let those thoughts pass through your brain. Right. to the point where you're back focusing on your breathing. Because the problem is that when you have sexual reservations and hangups is the inside chatter. You know, the inside chatter, oh my gosh, you know, would God think this is okay? Oh my goodness, look at my stomach. You know, all of those different things are what typically throws you off. And so when it comes to being in a sexual situation, you do have to take your inhibitions and try to practice mindfulness outside of sex first so that then you can reconnect sexually in a way where you're not, where all of that inner chatter doesn't interfere with things. And so part of that process too becomes being comfortable with yourself sexually by yourself, you know, like spending more time walking around naked, you know, spending more time like, you know, looking at your body and recognizing how sexy you are, you know, getting into kind of touching yourself in different areas and figuring out what exactly feels good and and why and realizing that 
you know, stuff changes. When back when you were 20, how you liked for someone to suck on your nipples is different than when you're 50, you know, and, and acknowledging that change, but also educating your partner on it too, you know, instead of, oh, I don't like when you touch my breasts anymore, figure out exactly how you like your breasts to be touched. Right. Because what I find is that when you get to the point where you're like, I don't like that anymore. I don't know something about it I don't like. It really is more of the technique than actually you not necessarily liking any of it. So I think we gotta be cognizant of the fact that our bodies and our brains are continually shifting and changing and you wanna embrace that. But you also, if you have a partner uh, or you know, you're married, you also wanna be able to communicate that to them because they don't know. You know, and so what ends up happening is we start avoiding it instead of actually taking the time to educate the partner on what works for me and what doesn't anymore. So the first step would be to be comfortable, a little more comfortable with your body. And I tell everyone, you know, that you should invest in a little bit of a, a little vibrator, you know, and what studies show actually is that women are more sexual and more, you know, have a higher sex drive when they actually masturbate in their free time. So, because what it does is, so, you know, our estrogen levels decrease when you're going through menopause, you know, things might not be as supple as they used to be. And so the idea is to get as much blood flowing there as possible. And when you have a little vibrator or even a vibrator with a little head on it that can actually do some suction, that it actually is kind of pulling the blood flow to your clitoris and starting to get you that throbbing feeling again that, that can actually come back to the point where maybe when you are reading a book, you'll be like, oh, what's that? Is that me? I, am I turned on? You know, and it starts to bring back more of that spontaneous feeling of, of wanting to engage sexually. So when Viagra comes and helps guys with the blood flow to their genitals, you know, we don't really have anything that does that other than, you know, some nutrition switches and things like that, but also increasing blood flow can actually come from direct stimulation. Right. So that's another part. Doc, you said, you said a, a couple of things that kind of piqued my interest as a husband, as a, of a, a wife who's kind of gone through some of those things. And you said it earlier about a mental aspect of it, you know, where it starts in your mind. Renee and I talk about this a lot where she says, it seems like men are always thinking about sex and women have to kind of, intentionally think about sex and even when you have those difficulties physically it requires a little bit more effort as a husband how can I help my wife think about sex or approach her in a, a way that can help her get more in touch with her sexuality like you say without coming off as this is all about me that's a great great question and actually, there's nothing you can do to make her think about sex more, technically. But what you can do, which I find helps a lot, is help her to understand how important sex is to you and how much you enjoy it. Because like I find, and um, that as couples have been together for a while, t especially in our community, mm -hmm. the women kind of give up on sex a little bit. They're kind of like, well, we've had our kid, um, you know, I'm just not feeling it like that. I just don't even think about it. I could do without it. Right. And so since she could do without it, and, you know, unfortunately, 
you know, men get the rap of being a little, uh, um, a little selfish, but I actually find that with our community, we get a, women, we get a little selfish too. Yeah, it kinda I, gets I would agree. Like, I agree. You know, it's like, I don't want to, so I don't have to. Right. But, you know, if he talks to somebody else, that's a problem. Right. You know, so it's like you don't, you want to stake your territory, but you don't want to invest in the territory. I love that and you say so, that, invest in it. Yeah. You, you've noticed that too, huh? Yes. Oh, I do. You know, because I did hair for 28 years, and you hear women oh. talking about how they use sex to control their husband. And I love what you're saying because it is an investment. That is a physical investment in your relationship and listening to you talk has made me realize maybe I'm not as inhibited as I thought I was because I walk around naked <laughs> I sleep naked um I like my body and so I think it's more like you talk about the blood flow I think a part of it is it's more, it's more physical than it is um that I so I guess I really don't have as many I guess the people who walk around naked can't be sexually inhibited <laughs> yeah well <laughs> well, then, well is that if you walk around naked and somebody is there who enjoys seeing it and then they get an erection and it's doing nothing for you, then there's a problem. It's okay. like, okay, so you turn on your husband, here you are naked, and then you're like, well, I mean, I was just going to the, I was just going to the kitchen. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, now, what is some so, of the, what are some of the things that when you mentioned being inhibited versus being a curious, how would you just kind of give some, some clarity about, a woman who's inhibited and a one that is like um, maybe not as experienced in her sexuality or even from a guy's oh, perspective. Sure. So in, inhibited means more so, I'm, I don't want to try that. I don't know. Don't touch me there. I'm not going to oh, do that. Okay. I, you know, like having a lot of hangups in terms of what they will do, what they won't do, what they do like, what they don't like. You know, same person, usually sexually inhibited people might be the person that you're like, oh, you want to go with me? There's this new, uh, there's this new virtual reality that's going to show us, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, 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 I, I don't want to do that. You know, people who have a hard time veering off from routine and trying new things, typically, you know, you can see similar behavior when it comes to sex. Don't do that. You can only do this. Let's do this. No, I don't want to do that. You know, they missed opportunities. Like, for instance, if Gil were to say, hey, you know, let's go for a walk tonight. And then maybe you guys find this little little corner in the neighborhood and you're like, he's uh -oh, like, well, let's, uh -oh. let's stop here yeah, for a yeah. minute. I like where right? you're going, but go ahead. Yes, I would be the yes. one to say, yes, let's do it. <laughs> yes, see, exactly, exactly. Where there's a lot of us who would be like, I, no, uh -uh, I'm not going to do that. And it, it's misty out, might mess my hair up. Right. Or, you know, like, no, I got to get up early tomorrow. Or, uh-uh, what if a neighbor sees, you know? So inhibition people who are inhibited tend to actually be inhibited throughout everything that they're doing. Yeah. And so I would venture to say that Renee, you're, you're not inhibited. I would venture to say that, you know, we just have, you know, a few physical things that you right. just need to tweak, especially right. since you have gone through menopause. And we know that when you go through menopause, we have decreased blood flow. We have decreased lubrication. We have thinning out of the mucosa or the lining of the vagina. And then what can be done to improve that? And I, and I, I'm, I'm an advocate of, you know, speaking with your doctor to see whether or not, you know, um, transdermal hormones are for you. And transdermal just basically means hormone creams, okay. you know, to kind of 
get things a little more supple, a little more juicy, but at the same time, you can have similar results from a little more self-play and a great lubricant or a suppository that can kind of, you know, help things. So, for instance, if you start to go a little drier, I always say, you know, because the, the dryness affects us and it right. affects your partner, right? right. right? So right. what you can do is before sex even starts, you can put your lubricant there so that when your partner touches, they're like, oh, snap, you know, because right. it's moist and it's like, wow. But then also you don't have that embarrassed feeling or that oh feeling of just like, oh, there's no moisture there. And it just helps with enjoyment more. So I think oftentimes we start the lubricant later, you know, like when he gets, the, you know, when he's ready to start trying to penetrate, you know, we might get the lubricant then. But I advocate put your lube on early in the game, even, you know, like if you're going out to dinner and you think you guys might do something in the car or something, put it on before dinner, you know, like have it there or bring it in your purse so that it actually becomes part of the foreplay process too, instead of just penetration. And then for our partners to understand that for men and women, as time goes by in your 20s, Bam! You super turned on. It's hot. Let's right, go. We right. can we can orgasm. Yes, it just takes a little longer. Um, and so, since it takes a little longer, you Gil has to focus more on foreplay because once he penetrates, um, you know, you want her to be so ready for penetration that she's ba basically asking you for, you know, begging you for, taking her pelvis closer to you, like please just put it in. Mm -hmm. And so. Mm -hmm. What we find is that as time goes by and it takes us all a little longer to get stimulated and even a little longer to orgasm or ejaculate, we're not adjusting for that time in terms of what we're doing sexually. So spending a little more time with the, with the foreplay part, turning each other on, I always say foreplay can start at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then by six o'clock at night, if you guys are actually intimate, well, you guys have sent each other nasty messages, you've flirted, <laughs> you know, some things have happened. And so everybody is ready for it. So I think we got to spend a little more time priming the pump. Um, and, and that actually will, because what happens with women is, okay, we have sex once. Oh my God, I was dry. So then I was chased for three or four days afterwards. And so now I'm going to avoid sex with him for about six weeks, four weeks, or three weeks. So if we can minimize minim and maximize enjoyment during the times when you are intimate and make sure that everybody's day after is positive and that the experience is positive, then women stop avoiding it as much. I feel like in our community, women get to the point where they just avoid it. They come up with creative ways, creative strategies, I'm sleep headache, the kids are in the bed with me, um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And so I think what the husbands can do is create an environment for her where she actually enjoys it regularly. And then one thing you don't want to do, which men do a lot is, okay, we had this great session yesterday. Let's do another one today and let's do another one tomorrow. And so you wear out your welcome, right? <laughs> so it's like anything else. It's like anything else. It's like, you know, your favorite restaurant. If you went every day, it wouldn't be your favorite anymore. You know, so we need to savor it while it's happening and be comfortable with the time spent not doing it in between, just flirting more, you and, know, and enjoying I, each other I, more. 
Yes. And you know, I appreciate what you're saying. And, and for me, I do that. And, and I don't, I'm not getting plugged by the pay for these people, but Astroglide is what I actually use. And I think it can be a woman's friend. And I love what you're saying about and not doing it every day. Because when you're young, you think that having sex is intimacy. Mm-hmm. And what you're mm-hmm. talking about is the intimacy has to be a part of foreplay, talking, you know, thinking about. Because I think about. I always talk. To, I tell you. I said I want what we to, what we do when we're making love to be a part of the rest of our day. Yes. Yes. So, so even right. even the piggyback on on that. Could you give us our, our listeners some of the things that they could do to be intentional about getting the pump prime or even getting ready to set up to actually have maybe a rendezvous later on some things that they may be thinking about or even a direction that they could go in if they're totally kind of like let's just say sexually illiterate in this aspect or Mm -hmm. they had some Mm -hmm. bad things happen where they kind of have a skewed vision about sex and what really sex can be in their relationship sure okay so so the first thing i would say is that you know we we got to know our partners and know our audience right because even even if i say you know send a sexy message you know to your partner you know throughout the day so if you send a message that says something like oh i can't wait to see later right and she has no connection to the word right or if you say your Johnson felt so good the other day, you know, and he has no sexual connection to the word Johnson. Well, then your attempts have fallen flat, right? Right. So I think oftentimes couples don't really know what their person likes. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of it, you know, I'll say, well, flirt a little bit or send a message or do this and do that. But that may not be what turns them on sexual. So, you know, you have love languages, right? I think it's the same thing, Dr. Rich. I was like, you need to write a book about sex languages. (laughs) It's that time. It's that time. It's that time, y'all. And uh, this is an awesome conversation we're having. But it's that time in the show where we got the got wisdom. Got got questions. questions. So you want to kick it off? Yeah, we went from the north to the south for these got wisdom and got questions. So our got wisdom comes from michael here in montgomery here in montgomery um i was actually looking for something for gil and he helped me with a nice tie an amazing tie and i was just talking to him i love his shop he's just a great person he's also from detroit so that's That's a double connection he is in montgomery he's from detroit and his wisdom was him and his wife has been married for 36 years wow and his wisdom was to always continue to touch each other, to stay in touch. Touch each other, to stay in touch. Yes. You know, and that's not necessarily talking about a sexual type touch. No. It's just, uh, man, it's amazing what a hug can do when you really yes. need it, or just a stroke right. on the back, or yes. just handhold it. Yeah. You know, any kind of touching. That's yes. that's because that's one of those things. That, that's I think that's one of the beginning indicators mm-hmm. of the sexual other things becoming distant is when you don't physically touch each other right and and dr rachel was kind of mentioning that a little bit on this yes. episode you know yeah so that's a that's a good one yeah great so appreciate it mr mike so now we are going to the got questions and this is from jackie from detroit 
And her question is, why does it seem like men have a problem when the woman makes more than them? Now, this is something that we actually lived out in real life, you know, early in our marriage. You know, we were in the military, so we didn't have a lot, you know, but and in your career as a hairstylist and you were making a lot more than I was. So how would you answer this? Well, I think our situation was a little different than what Jackie is talking about, mm-hmm. but I'll speak on it from both positions. From your, from, from your my side. frame of and reference, then I'll go we were both twenty-one when we got married, so we both really didn't have anything. <laughs> You're so broke as all. We both, what. whatever right. we accomplished, we accomplished together. Sure. And I think that that has a lot to do with the the. I don't think that would have mattered. I think that even if you were, if it was, if you were, we were single, older. Is what I think Jackie is talking about. Basically, what is it like when you're a single woman and you're dating someone, you're meeting someone Mm -hmm. and he makes you make more money than him? I think that that can be more of an indication of someone's internal issues, Mm -hmm. because if you see the value in yourself based on how much money you make, then that can make you feel inferior to someone or superior to someone. But when you find your identity in, you know, your character, you know, how you treat people, that can make it a little bit less of an issue. But I think that sometimes that can be an issue for men in a dating scenario because they may feel insecure. Right. They may feel um, like that's the most important part of them. It's a part of the manly experience where you feel like I'm just supposed to. It's one of those societal things where you just feel like you're supposed to make more than the woman and you're supposed to be maybe just capitalizing on a career if that's what you are into to where you're making more than her in every area. You know, that glass ceiling as they talk about in this in our society where it seems like women are being catching up with there are times where women do make more and it's coming more and more apparent nowadays. So that's something that I think, like you just said, it's a, it's a personal issue from a guy's perspective. If he has a problem with it, then that's probably more something internal that he needs to address and deal with. And sometimes it may come off that it's the perception that he has a problem with it. And sometimes if you don't communicate because in our situation, I didn't have a problem with it, even though we were already married. Right. I just seen it as it was money coming into the household, you know, but I I can understand if you're single and just dating and just getting to know this person. Um, I, from a, as a single man, I would believe as a single man, if I would be dating someone who was making more than me, I wouldn't say it, it would intimidate me personally. Right. But I can understand how it can be a a intimidating thing. If that's all you think you bring of value to the relationship is money. Sure. If that's your only gauge of value, mm-hmm. then that could be an issue. But if the if there has to be more to what you bring to the relationship than just money. Sure. Because roles can change, oh, yeah. tides can shift. Right. And if all you bring is money, if that's the only valuable asset you bring to the relationship, then that's going to be somewhat limited short-lived yeah, it is yes so we thank you guys for hopefully that answered her question yeah i think it if why does it seem that way and my another question i would ask to that question is okay how do they know you make more money Ooh. than they do right so is that's that something that you're kind of bragging about right you know humble bragging or you're just assuming they are intimidated right because sometimes if people only know about how much you make 
if you tell them. Right. And if that comes up early in your relationship, that's an interesting reasoning why. Right. You know, why did it come up? You right. know, but that's a whole nother whole nother question, right. whole nother topic. Right, right, right. And we'll maybe address that as we talk about money in another episode and another episode on the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gil and Renee. But if you do have questions and you do have got wisdom or got questions that you want to send in to us for to profile on the show, you can do it at the website at richrelationshipsus.com or you can send us a Gmail or email through to our Gmail. richrelationshipsus at gmail.com. And that's got wisdom, got questions. Thank you. Gil and Renee Beaver's over 30-year relationship is the genesis for the Rich Relationship Podcast, which is designed to empower individuals with the tools, principles, and the community needed to unpack ourselves, our past, and our preconceived notions associated with relationships. Let's get empty and grow together so that our lives will be filled with love and healthy, rich relationships. Now let's go into our show. Yes, sex languages are what makes your person hot. And it's, right. it's words, it's, um, it's activity. It's t- yes, it's touch. So, I mean, some people will get wet just when you help them out around the house, yeah. you know? So, or you bought some new shoes for them or you got them a little gift. Mm-hmm. So you've really got to figure out what is your partner's sex language in the sense of what types of things make them hot. What have I noticed? On the days where I do the such and such and such, they seem to turn be turned on more. On the days when we go to such and such, I seem to get, you know, they seem to be proactive sexually. And then some of this you can ask. But I think oftentimes we're not in touch with really what our sex language is or we're embarrassed to say it. Right. So it becomes hard to kind of figure it out. But once you know what gets your person hot, then you can use that and you should use that as a tool and not one to like manipulate, you know, so on and so forth, right. but as a tool to make sure that, that sex stays as positive for you guys as it can and it should. So, you know, you want to start there, figuring out what type of things make them hot in the first place, right? <clears throat> Maybe it's erotic novels. Maybe it's involved in them every day and all this. But if that's what your partner gets hot off of and they're coming home to you and you guys are together, then, you know, you got to give yourself permission to embrace what it is that they're telling you instead of being like, I don't want you watching that stuff and blah, blah, blah. And well, guess what? They're going to watch it on their phone at work instead of at home. They're going to watch it. So, you know, embracing what it is that are, that turns our partners on and going there. Like for instance, you know, figuring out what their fantasies are so that you can create scenes and, and send them to each other and they can finish the scene. Like you can make a, send a sex message where you're just kind of like, maybe getting into character. So I've pulled you over for a traffic stop <laughs> and right. I'm about to write you a ticket, you know, so you can do things like role play through text messages that will in fact get us, get, get us moister, get a, get a, you know, get everything going and particularly for him. So ladies, if you go with your guy and you're sending him these messages all day long, you know, he is going to be, ready you know he's going to be very excited about this process and so unfortunately what will happen is we'll start it 
And then by five o'clock, you know, the dance got busy and you'll be like, well, I mean, I've kind of changed my mind. I'm not really feeling like having sex anymore. So sex has to be a decision, right? Just like being happy in the morning has to be a decision. Since a lady's sex drive is so complicated, yeah. so many factors, it has to be a decision. You have to decide, you know what, I love my partner. I want him, him or her to feel sexy. I want them to feel like I am attracted to them because I know that that's important to them as it's important to me. So let me make this decision. And what can I do to make sure that I'm enjoying that decision? And so the flirting aspect, the sexting aspect, the, you know, drawing each other nice baths, you know, but I will say this, the bath thing is great and romantic, but baths will dry you out. You know, like you, you get all this juiciness down there. The minute you sit into a tub of water, the juiciness disappears into thin air. So, you know, the bath is nice, but you know, the bath may be something that you do afterwards as opposed to before, um, particularly if you're having lubrication issues. So it really starts with figuring out what your partner wants, how can you deliver that in creative ways? Are they in a role play? Are they, what are the, their fantasies that I can turn into role play? Because a lot of times what we think is role play is dressing up in this fancy outfit and getting some lingerie and all that. And role play can be something that you kind of do a little bit every day, you know, pretending to be a virgin and, you know, very attracted to your partner through the text messages, pretending that, you know, you've got to get out of a, a traffic stop, you know, like all of those things that are like our forbiddens, Right. You can bring those forbiddens into real life, and that's when sex can get steamy and hot and quick. You know, that's what I like about the, the mind is that if you, you play with your mind a little bit, that's when we can orgasm and ejaculate pretty quickly and still pick the kids up from school or <laughs> go to the soccer game or whatever else you need to do. I, I think that's wonderful. And I, what I want you to do, Dr. Rage, I, I love that you have made all these things so clear and taken away a lot of the myths and the ignorance surrounding what role play is and what intimacy is and what sex is. Tell us about your next book and how they can get it. I'm so excited to be able to share this with our community. What's your next project you have that's going on right now? Great. So I appreciate you asking. So, you know, of course, everyone can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Rachel. You just have to follow, spell the name correctly, D-R-R-A-C-H-A-E-L, or on Facebook. But I'm also, you know, have a book series called Getting Some Brain. And Getting Some Brain is basically taking the stuff that we need to know more information about and kind of making it putting it into chunks of information that we can all use and integrate into our lives. And so the first book in the series is how to fall passionately in love and lust and like stay there, yeah. you know, because I think we get that first part, right. We get the romance and everything and we get married. And sometimes, you know, we look up two or three years later and are trying to figure out what happened. Why aren't we having sex anymore? Why don't I feel like I did when this first started? So it kind of is a guidebook and we've got exercises and things that couples can actually do together to make sure that we keep things hot because so much of what we need to happen to keep, keep things hot, to keep things hot starts in the brain. And if we, you know, follow a few basic ideas, then, you know, the goal is that we can all make it to forever as passionately as we possibly can. Well, Doctor, I, I really appreciate the information that you share, and I know just from talking to you, and you mentioned it already, but can you tell our listeners about 
your institute that you're training that you actually do and provide for for people who may want to get a little bit more versed in this area you know I, I we know that you started in medicine but then you branched off into the, the sexual realm but can you tell them how they can get involved with something like that if they want to pursue a, a, a direction of the same thing you know of, of sexuality getting more information and helping others Ah, I'm so glad you asked me that, Gil. Yes. So I've started the Dr. Rachel Institute, and what we do is we train sexologists, because when I got into the field, and, and you know, before I tell a little bit about that, is, you know, we've got everyone from life coaches to physicians to psychologists to therapists to massage therapists, people who focus on um, adult toys, you know, all come together through the Dr. Rachel Institute to train to be sexologists. And I always say that the goal of the Dr. Rachel Institute is to keep families together. And, you know, it's everything from, you know, sexuality issues coming out of the closet, you know, supporting families when they have a member who is coming out as trans or gay. It's as complicated as, you know, a couple that's been together for a while and maybe they want to some sexual spice. It's all of these things combined, and it's nutrition, it's sex, it's lifestyle. It's all of these things that make us sexually who we are, and then taking that information, and once they've completed our certification program, and either launching a business as a sexuality coach, or a sex coach, or a love coach, or a relationship coach, or just using that information for themselves. And I remember when I finished medical school, I really knew that I've always wanted to focus on sex and relationships. Um, and it wasn't a program really that I felt was gonna give me all of that. So I went and trained and got a PhD in sexology and then I was still like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I help? And it was more, more, more just the science. And so the sexuality coaching certification program actually puts the science, the how do you do the coaching, the business side of things together to kind of help you launch a career as a sexologist. So I'm super proud. I've done a lot of different things, but the Dr. Rachel Institute, I'm just super proud of it. The outcomes of some of our students, the way we're helping couples stay together and revolutionizing the conversation around sex and sexuality. So, I mean, as you can tell, it's like a I super And again, can you repeat how they can get information on the Institute and reaching you for those who are just joining yes. us on the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gail and Renee. We have Dr. Rachel Ross giving us some wisdom and some knowledge. So can and you some science behind it? <laughs> so can you tell us how we can they can reach you again? Absolutely. So so to sign up for updates about how you can get your copy of Getting Some Brain, How to Fall Passionately in Love and Lust, and stay there, head over to gettingsomebrain.com and, you know, leave your email address and we'll stay in touch and keep you posted on the release of the book. And for the Dr. Rachel Institute, you want to learn more about it or potentially become one of our students, head over to drrachelinstitute.com. All you got to do is spell Rachel right. It's R-A-C-H-A-E-L and not E-L is, is, um, is That's what they easy yeah, it's, it's all good, and um, you know we've got tons of information there. You can contact me. We also you can also message me so we can get on Facebook Messenger and kind of uh, answer your questions. So make it pretty easy to to get in touch and to get the information that you need. Well, we 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 are really excited about your institute, Dr. Rachel, and you are an answer to our prayers. And 
we might become your students because we really definitely have the same goal is to help people stay together because we yeah. need to learn how to do things the right way and in a way where it's going to produce results that last. And we always talk about being hot. We say it's honest, open, and transparent. We're going to have to come up with a new Dr. Rachel version of being hot just because of what you taught us. And we are so excited. And you are such an amazing woman, not just as a woman, but as a mom, as a doctor. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your passion. And thank you for being approachable and for responding to people who are trying to help people. You are amazing. Thanks for leveraging your influence to help couples and individuals have better relationships with themselves and their, their spouses and their mates. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out to me and, you know, being patient with me and my hectic schedule and making sure that we got this together. And it has been such a joy. So whenever you guys are ready to have me back, I'm all about that. But it looks like you guys might become your own, the sexperts, the psychologists. Yes, 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 yes. We gonna work on it. We gonna work on it. Your own people. Yes. So, so we'll finish that dialogue because I would love that. Yes. yes. Thank you so much again, Dr. We appreciate you and we look forward to connecting with you again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your investment in time. Remember to subscribe to the show and hit the notification icon to be notified when new episodes are posted on the podcast platform that you're listening from. Or you can always find us on our website at richrelationshipsus.com or our YouTube channel, Rich Relationships with Gil Renee. If you found this podcast helpful or you think it could help someone that you know and care about, please pass it along and share it with them. And also, you can always send your questions and comments to richrelationships.us at gmail.com. This is a weekly podcast, and the new episodes are going to be posted on Monday by 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Remember, we're stronger together. Let's grow!